0: BC is the only bank dedicated exclusively to entrepreneurs. That's why we're proud to support women entrepreneurs with the Thrive podcast, providing startup women with the support and resources they need to start and grow their business.
1: An award-winning entrepreneur, one of Canada's most powerful women and Startup Canada's ambassador for women entrepreneurs, this is your host, Janice McDonald, for the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network.
2: You're listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, a show inspiring, connecting, and educating women entrepreneurs across Canada. On this show, we connect you with leading innovators, changemakers, and organizations helping women to own it in entrepreneurship. The Thrive Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community and voice for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada, the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community and subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes and Google Play Music. I'm your host, Janice MacDonald, President of the Beacon Agency and Startup Canada's Ambassador for Women Entrepreneurs. We're thrilled to have on the show today, Laura Hassanbegovich, co-founder and chief growth officer at Canada Learning Code. Canada Learning Code, which was formerly Ladies Learning Code, started with a simple vision to empower women to build technical skills and has grown with overwhelming community support into programs for all Canadians to learn how to build and not just consume technology. Since 2011, Canada Learning Code programs have taught over 80,000 students, mostly women of all ages, to code through more than 2,000 events in over 30 Canadian cities. Canada Learning Code has worked with more than 12,000 mentors and facilitated more than 260,000 hours of coding. Better get that right. Welcome to the show, Laura. We're excited to have you here.
0: Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I'm excited, too. So let's just start with the key message
2: you hope our listeners will take away from our conversation today.
0: Um, well, that's a, there's, so, there's so many, but I would say that the key thing or the biggest advice that I give people is to never stop learning. And honestly, to always have an open mind about what you might enjoy or what you might be good at. Um, I've definitely surprised myself over the years, and I think a lot of people do.
2: And you've surprised yourself how?
0: You know, as a as a girl, as a child, as a teenager, um, technology really scared me. It was actually something that I avoided as much as possible. Um, I didn't have my first email address until I was 19 years old and um, didn't really use a computer too much until university. Um, and then even into my career, um, you know, I didn't really leap right in. It was um, not until kind of several years into my career that I started to get a little bit more confident confidence and realize how technology could actually really help me be more successful and make my job and my day to day a lot easier. And that's when I started learning. That's when Ladies Learning Code came to be. And I actually would call myself tech savvy now and I love computers and I love technology. And it um, it really makes my life easier and a lot more fun. So that is not something I would have ever imagined or ever seen for myself uh, growing up, certainly. Well,
2: Laura, that's really encouraging, I think, for a lot of people who aren't digital natives to know that, of course, yes, a commitment to lifelong learning and to maintaining your curiosity is important, but also that it's never too late to learn how to code and uh, get better at technology.
0: Oh, it truly isn't. I've, uh, you know, we've we've taught kids or started to expose kids as young as three now. um, And, you know, women and men who are who are seniors and, um, you know, it's really never the wrong age or the wrong time to get started.
2: So Canada Learning Code, and uh, it's important to say you used to be Ladies Learning Code, yes. and now you've expanded your mandate. And, and your programs have empowered thousands of women, young people, and minorities through tech education. This is such a big, bold uh, vision and undertaking. Can you share with us how you got this movement started?
0: Sure. So it certainly didn't necessarily start that way. It started very organically, um, very naturally. Um, it started as a side project. Myself and three other women uh, launched Ladies Learning Code back in 2011, um, really as a way to scratch our own itch. Uh, we were looking for a place to enhance our digital digital literacy and our digital skills and learn some some coding. And there wasn't really anything out there that was for beginners that really spoke to us as, as women as well. And um, so it really started as as a as a a way for us to, um, you know, satisfy our own need, we learned really, really quickly that there were just so many other people out there that had the same itch, that were looking for the same thing, and the interest really grew um, to, to our surprise. And so something that really started as a side project, um, you know, running a workshop every month, really just exploded from there. Um, I left my my job, you know, less than a year after we started Ladies Learning Code and, and uh, started started working for the organization full time. And that's been, you know, six years now. Um, and was that
2: the same with your co-founders? Did everybody kind of jump on board?
0: Uh, not everybody. So everybody is still involved um, in some capacity, whether it's, um, you know, on the board or as an advisor. Um, but currently myself and one of the other three, um, Melissa, uh, run Ladies uh, Canada Learning Code today. Yeah. So just two and- out of the four of us.
2: Yeah, but you're still all passionate and and taking the, the Ladies Learning Code to something even bigger. Do you want to share yeah. with us all of that?
0: Yeah, I would love to. So we started uh, running Ladies Learning Code workshops, which were uh, beginner-friendly technical workshops, really with women in mind, all very project based. Um, we, we taught coding in a very social collaborative way. You mentioned how many mentors we've had uh, at our programs over the years at every workshop we run in the ladies learning code program. We have a four to one ratio of learners to mentors. So there's a lot of support. It really allows, um, allows our instructors to get through quite a bit of content at our, at our workshops and for the environment to be really, really supportive, Uh, So we started running ladies learning code workshops and about a year later, we launched girls learning code. We were running camps um, and workshops for girls. Shortly after, we launched Kids Learning Code, which were which were co-ed programs for, for boys and girls, where we had a, a pretty even split uh, of girls and boys at those workshops. And from there, we launched Teens Learning Code and, and our newest initiative, now Teachers Learning Code. So the, our programs have really expanded from what they originally were. And sort of therein came Canada Learning Code as a as a a way to really, um, represent everything that we're doing. So, um, we're focused on sort of all underrepresented groups. Women certainly are still a big focus for us, but, um, you know, Canada is such a diverse country. We're really focused on bringing digital literacy and coding education to all underrepresented groups throughout the country.
2: It's so exciting. So you, you kind of highlighted what, um, the different segments, but, and who they are, but can you give us a better sense? So for listeners that are thinking, yeah, I do need to code. um, What, what, what's kind of the typical offering? What's, what's going to happen?
0: So among all of our programs, um, you know, regardless of the audience, the age, the demographic, our programs are all beginner friendly. They're all meant to be very supportive and unintimidating. And they're all designed for um, for those absolute beginners, but are also welcome for everybody. Um, all of our programs focus on project-based learning. So by the end of any of our programs, learners will have actually built something that they can use tomorrow or continue to build on. Um, our programs start for people as young as three and there's truly no uh, no limit to, um, to the age range. We have kids learning code programs for three to five year olds, three to six year olds, um, seven to nine year olds, ten to twelve year olds, and then our teen program and our ladies learning code programs as well. So um, each of our workshops or camps or uh, boot camps uh, really focuses on a specific demographic, but there really is something for everybody.
2: And so, for people listening right now, they what do they need to do? So they go to your website, they sign up, and what do they need to? You know, just kind of give us some of the the real specifics to um, break down the barriers people might have to. You know, coming to their first class.
0: Sure. So you can find all of our programs uh, on canadalearningcode.com where you would um, you know select one of our programs, whether that's ladies learning code or girls learning code, kids learning code, teens or teachers learning code, and uh, select the region or the city in which you live, and you can really see what's available coming up in the in the next few months uh, in your area. All of our programs are meant to be very accessible, so. Um, they're available for everybody. They're the, we try to keep the cost really low. Many of our workshops are pay what you can, or even free, um, you know, we do ask that people bring a laptop, but if that's a barrier, we will provide a laptop and really make it um, make it as accessible and open for everybody. Um, and uh, once you once you register, you get some some information on how to prepare some sort of uh, you know initial steps, which you can either you know do at home prior to coming to the workshop, or you can always come a little bit early. And we have mentors there to help uh, help people get their computer set up, get their environment set up. And um, it's it's a really beautiful community that we have. Um, whether that's our sort of online community through through our, our social networks or right uh, right in person at our workshops, it's um, it's a really great uh, great environment, great culture, very very supportive, and uh, and really something for everybody.
2: What would be some misconceptions about coding and learning coding that you would like to dispel today for listeners?
0: Uh, So I certainly had a lot of misconceptions uh, growing up about uh, what coding was and and wasn't. I always saw it as something that was very um, mathematical, very black and white, and not at all creative. um, And also very alienating and something that you know, you would do um, completely by yourself. It's, it's actually a very, uh, it can be a very social thing, can be an v- extremely creative thing and an artistic outlet as well. You can create anything online uh, using coding. So no matter what you are passionate about, uh, coding can really contribute to that. Um, can and you
2: give us some examples maybe, Laura, that yeah. might
0: surprise people? So, a lot of the art you might see online, a lot of um, a lot of the design that you that you see online, whether that's on a website or an app or even a physical uh, a physical poster or book, um, often a lot of coding goes into creating, uh, creating those things. Um, we actually teach, uh, graphic design and, and those types of skills as well. It's, uh, our digital literacy focus goes beyond just coding, even though that is certainly has been sort of at our core. Um, but what really, when we are exposing kids in particular to coding, um, we're not trying to turn every kid into an engineer or a developer. We're really trying to, um, expose kids to to the possibilities of how coding can help them change the world, can help them do whatever it is that they want to do um, better and can contribute to that.
2: So somebody shows up, they've signed up, they come in early, they get set up, and then what's a typical class actually going to look like?
0: Um, so we would have uh, a lead instructor who uh, is standing at the front of the room, um, you know, walking everybody through uh, the content. All of our lead instructors are are volunteers. Uh, many of them are coming, you know, right from from the industry. We have a lot of uh, amazing lead instructors who started with us uh, a few years ago as learners and then became became mentors and now are becoming uh, lead instructors. So we're really seeing people grow within our programs now that we've been doing this for six and a half years, uh, which is you know really heartwarming for us. Um, so we would have a lead instructor at the, the front of the room really introducing um, the topic and the content uh, to individuals. And then throughout, uh, throughout the classroom, no matter how many participants, participants we have whether it's 10 or 60 or you know upwards of that we would have a mentor for every four participants in there floating around the room um really Uh, Observing people accessible to answer any question that somebody has in the moment, which really allows our lead instructors to keep going through the content. Um, Learners never get left behind. Um, Often when you're learning new technical skills, if you miss one little step or, um, you know, a little semicolon uh, the coding, the code doesn't work and and it can be very frustrating. And, um, you know, that's where people really start to fall behind. And and our mentors really ensure that that does not happen. Um, Our mentors are all right you know, continue to be, um, you know, what people say are their favorite part of, of ladies learning code or girls learning code or kids learning code programs because they're the, you know, such a support, uh, support to our learners. Uh, and then the, our lead instructors, you know, continue to walk people through the content, but they're actually building something. So for example, in uh, one of our most popular workshops, um, because it is so practical to so many people uh, is our HTML and CSS workshop. And over the course of the six-hour workshop, our participants will leave with uh, with an actual website that they have coded um, throughout the day and that they can um, complete on their own time or um, maybe it's, it's complete by the end of the workshop, but it's all very practical project-based, uh, stuff. Uh, we have additional programs to kind of help people continue to learn. So one of those, uh, one of those examples, uh, are our code and coffee sessions that happen in many of our chapters where participants can come and sit and continue working on their projects. Uh, you know whatever they might be. And we have uh, some amazing volunteers there to, to help them.
2: So, uh, if I'm understanding correctly, there's different chapters across the country, and then those chapters kind of reflect like a regional vibe of what's going on, but it's still consistent.
0: Yeah, definitely. So our chapter leads that we have um, across the country are really amazing at taking the fundamentals of what we've created and what we're doing, and running workshops that really reflect their local culture and the local needs. So they're, um, you know, getting getting to know their community, what people are wanting to learn, maybe some of the nuances of, um, you know, how people like to learn in those communities, and really, um, you know, bringing our program. to to life in a way that is very relevant to their local communities.
2: And why does coding matter for women entrepreneurs in particular?
0: So, you know, digital literacy and coding skills are more transferable now than ever before. So many industries and sectors and jobs that, you know, were perceived as completely untechnical even 10, 15 years ago. Require some basic to intermediate digital literacy. Um, you know, so for example, the shift from print to digital journal journalism, uh, it's incredibly valuable for journalists to understand HTML and CSS and digital content management in order to get information out to the world quickly. Entrepreneurs want to learn how to launch and maintain their own websites to keep overhead costs down, to make quick content updates, and be able to, you know, to move forward. With their business, so overall, having these basic digital liter- literacy and and uh, coding skills, um, you know, is is becoming more and more critical to success.
2: So they really can use their coding skills that they're learning in your programs to help grow their businesses.
0: Absolutely. And and really, that's the idea that that um, the way that we're teaching these skills and the projects we're using to teach them, um, you know, the objective is to really give people skills that they can implement after just one workshop with us. And people are really turning to Canada Learning Code to very quickly upskill and uh, and be empowered to do the things that they want to do
2: so uh, you can go from the absolute beginner and continue on quite a long way just you've got the programs to keep me people moving forward is that right
0: we do we've actually created a learner roadmap where you can um, you can really identify what you are what you are interested, why you are interested in learning these skills and the direction that you want to go in. And a roadmap will really map out some of the most ideal workshops for you to participate in to reach a specific learning objective. And so you can attend just one workshop, you can attend uh, a few or several and continue to to develop your skills and then, um, you know, on your own time as well. And, uh, you know, you can, you our, our participants really have come a long way. It's been really amazing to see. It's pretty
2: critical to uh, life going forward, isn't it? To be able to code. It
0: it really is. um, You know, uh, adults, you know, who are now realizing this and wanting to upskill and, um, you know, recognizing that that is a gap that, you know, has existed, but how important it is from that perspective to teach younger kids as well, um, while formal education is still kind of catching up.
2: So for somebody so I'm thinking about specifically our women entrepreneurs who are listening, who currently are lacking the coding skills, can you give us a sense? I know they can leave in six hours with, you know, additional information and, and some competency, but, you know, in an ideal world, recognizing that people learn differently, et etc. But just kind of broadly speaking, coming in with uh, Canada Learning Code as an absolute beginner, how... You know, when can you be sort of functionally um, along the journey in a way? Like, can you give us a sense in terms of a timeline? Like, how many how many different things would you need to take? What would you if if you could take somebody in in, in that ideal setting and say, "I'm going to take you from absolute beginner to proficient"? What would you imagine is sort of the general timeline? Recognizing people learn differently, and etc.
0: I mean, learning is is lifelong, so certainly you can. There's there's you know never going to be um you're kind of never going to reach the end of that journey. You can kind of take it as far as you want. Um, You know, attending a few workshops or even one definitely can things click pretty quickly. Um, Once you really learn how the internet works and, and you know, how coding works in general, that's really the first step. And there's a level of proficiency that comes along with that. Uh, And then once you really decide what you want coding to help you do, um, you know, you'll, you'll, you can take, uh, you know, take the necessary steps. It might be a few workshops to get you to the, to the point where you can really apply those skills uh, the way that you want to, uh, or you can continue to go from there. There's some, uh, there's, you know, boot camps out there now that, uh, you know, take you from, from maybe you've attended one or two ladies learning code workshops. So you have that, those fundamental skills, but you've really decided you want to be you know, a junior front end developer and, um, you know, really build your own work website from scratch. So you can kind of go on into a boot camp. We have participants that decide that, you know, they love coding so much that they want to pursue formal education in coding. Uh, So, you know, you can go as far as you want with it, but certainly attending a few workshops, practicing a little bit on your own, attending some code and coffees, uh, maybe joining the Ladies Learning Code uh, Facebook group where you can, um, you know, have a forum to bounce ideas off people and ask questions. You know, that's, you know, fundamentally enough to, to, to get you started and to um, and and really empowers people to make things happen.
2: And what have you found uh, has been Laura, the, um, the reason why people are, aren't coming out? If, if they don't come out, you know, what's the barrier and how do we get them to overcome that?
0: Um, you know, first of all, you know, awareness that this is there for them. I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people learn about our programs very much through word of mouth. Um, yeah. So it's kind of getting, getting the message out there. Uh, once people know we exist and, you know, go on our website and kind of get a sense of what we're all about. There's, there's really no barriers. As long mm-hmm. as there's a chapter in their community, people can sign up pretty quickly and come out. It's, it's really meant to be a very welcoming environment, um, a very safe and comfortable place to learn. Um, people might not even know what coding is. Um, our workshops are appropriate for those people. So That's awesome. yeah, there's no barriers that- from that perspective.
2: I would think sometimes, and to hear you speak in that way, which really is so inviting and inclusive is is important because I I think when uh, I've asked people why they're not necessarily pursuing this, you know, again, like... Just what is it? A lot of it is fear about going into the unknown, you know? And so for you to say that you're going to be so well supported and that you can come in as the absolute beginner, I think is really important. And for our listeners to understand that you you take people where they are, right? And you just start them on the journey and they can, and I love this idea of the roadmap.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I, you know, in the early days, especially when we started designing our programs, um, when I participated in that, I really had myself in mind as, you know, a young adult who um, had a had a fear of technology, and you know, in those those early days where we were, you know. Testing and dry running content. Um, you know, I was there in the room putting my hand up, you know, saying, <laughs> yeah. this is jargon, or you've lost me. And, and so I think yeah. it's really important, you know, to have technical people um, involved in, in, you know, in our content development and, and designing our programs. But, um, you know, me and, and uh, others who are very representative of the learners and, and the community that we were wanting to, uh, to reach. So
2: if our listeners want to get involved, what what do they have to do, Laura? What are their steps?
0: So there's there's truly something for everyone. So if you are someone like I was you know five years ago and are wanting to take those initial steps you can um, you know, go to our website and and um, you know check out what we have in your in your area and and uh, you know I just encourage you to sign up and come out and give it a try um, you don't need to do a lot of preparation um, beyond that and, and that's a great first step uh, for uh, listeners who are more, who would consider themselves technologists or, um, you know, developers or designers, you can get involved by signing up to volunteer. Our programs cannot operate without our amazing volunteer community. And of the 80,000, you know, participants we've had over the years, there's been, you know, about 30,000 or more volunteers. So, that's a critical uh, part of our community. So, I encourage um, encourage people to sign up and, and, volu- and volunteer. It's a great way to kind of keep learning uh, as well and, and give back to the community. Parents have a really important job of exposing their kids to digital literacy education opportunities that they might not have access to yet in their, you know, schools and their formal education environments. And our youth programs are a huge focus for us right now, and are going through um, you know some of the most growth uh, and teachers who now more than ever recognize the importance of coding in the classroom. Um, you know, and and many of of whom are make that makes them nervous because maybe they don't mm-hmm. f- feel like confident to uh, to teach those uh, skills to their students. Can get involved by uh, going to teacherslearningcode.com dot com, downloading our you know how to guide and. Uh, Browsing some of our uh, beginner friendly lessons that are truly designed for non-technical teachers um, to expose kids to coding as it relates to the curriculum that they are uh, already teaching in their classrooms. So really, there's um, a way for every single person uh, to get involved uh, in, in various capacities.
2: And we have to get this right for Canada, don't we?
0: We do. You know, Canada is amazing. There's so much um, diversity in Canada that truly is, you know, our biggest strength as a country. And, um, you know, we at Canada Learning Code really see that and, and really want to bring Canada to the next level um, as it relates to digital literacy and, and uh, you know, our abilities.
2: Well, it's been a delight to speak with you today, Laura Hassanbegovich. Thank you. She
0: is the co-founder and chief
2: growth officer. Do you want to tell us what that actually involves?
0: Yeah. So I... um head up uh, sort of our people and culture aspects at, uh, at Canada Learning Code. So I've been involved uh, in the organization, you know, in every capacity over the years, from program design to building up our youth programs, um, whereas now I'm really focused on um, growing Canada Learning Code, bringing in new people, um, you know, managing our, our culture and sort of everything relating to human resources and uh, scaling Canada Learning Code.
2: So, ladies and listeners, Laura has told us we need to upgrade our skills and we're never going to get to the finish line, right? We have to commit to lifelong learning. And you started with a simple vision to empower women to build technical skills. And here it is now. You've grown it to an overwhelming community that programs for all Canadians. So, this is amazing. Really amazing. It's been delightful to speak to you today, Laura, and remind everybody what your website is because not all the info they need is there to start their new journey.
0: Uh, yeah, so go to CanadaLearningCode.ca and you can access all of our programs uh, from that website uh, and. Uh, and all of our regions and, and our chapters can kind of, uh, you can access it from there. So dot .ca, 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 right? Code <laughs> ca yeah, definitely.
2: All right, thank you again, Laura.
0: Thank you so much.
2: Thank you for joining us this week on The Thrive Podcast, a show inspiring, connecting, and educating women entrepreneurs across Canada. Visit StartupCan.ca forward slash women to find resources designed to support thriving women-owned businesses across Canada and visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rivers Corbett and to learn about the latest startup community news and events like our popular startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Until next time, I'm Janice McDonald leaving you now with a sneak peek of our next episode.
1: This is Robbie Moses from Arnon, and you're listening to the Thrive Podcast with Janice McDonald.
2: Okay, so don't take the first deal that comes your way. Go and do some homework. That's right. Talk to a few spaces. That's right. And get a sense. And when you talk about incentives, do you want to just spill, spill, spell some of those out for people so they know what might be even on the table for a consideration?
1: Sure. So, for example, there could be uh, like a free rent periods. So, is there an
2: industry kind of norm? I mean, it could be something like the
1: first six months rent-free. Uh, there could be like a preterm occupancy period, which is, is effectively similar. But basically what it's saying is you get to occupy the space early if you want to, you know, set up your office furniture. And, you know, I, I don't know what set up technical stuff that you've got going on yeah. in the office. But
2: there's some flexibility there on on start date and even pre-start date. Correct. And okay. then you could even have... Uh, and that's like small stuff. I mean, you know, you could do carpeting,
1: paint, all that uh, stuff mm-hmm. that they could provide. Uh, but if you want to... like the 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 bigger incentives that you might see are, for example, just a straight up cash inducement where the landlord might say something to the effect of, you know, here's a check for a hundred grand, use it uh, to spend on doing improvements to the space so that it's got the renovations that you like.